counted down and asked, are you recording? <laughs> I I guess I thought I was. I don't know. We were like 10 minutes in and I realized I wasn't recording. So anyways, take it away. Welcome back to Spooky State of Mind. Take two. <laughs> I'm Jasmine. <laughs> and I'm Alex. Oh, no. Are we? When will we stop having technical difficulties? That's just what I want to know. Like, this Never. is going to get old. We did first. Well, first of all, this is episode 10. So we're in the double digits now. Check this out. Oh, look at that. You don't need a holder. I don't need a holder. So I'm changing my setup today. I usually record in the office and I can't be bothered with sitting in a chair. So I am in bed right now. So I thought I was just going to be holding my mic. And like I said, we were recording or I was recording for about 10 minutes before Jasmine realized that she was not recording. Oopsie. I made a poopsie. (laughs) (laughs) It works out because my phone is literally on my belly right now. See? So I don't need a holder or anything. So yeah, my stand is just on my belly. It's straight up like what you see on like memes or TikToks or reels about pregnant women putting like their drinks on their stomach or their food on their stomach. And yeah, my stomach is a tabletop now. Okay, so how was your week? Does anyone want two free dogs? (laughs) Why? Fucking assholes right now. What are they doing? They're just really rowdy right now. They're just really rowdy. They sense that there's about to be some change in the household. Probably. My due date's in four weeks? Four, five weeks? Five weeks? Uh. Yeah. My due date's in five weeks, so. <sighs> Very pregnant with Quinn. I did go past my due date. I'll probably go past my due date again. They are just extra rowdy. So their beds are in the office and they broke the blinds. Oh no. Okay, but were they like the are they like the cheap blinds like that you get at apartments or are they like the nice ones that like slats and they fold up and down? Oh. In between. So yeah, they're not like the wooden blinds that are super nice that like you know those like really nice wooden blinds yeah no it's they're they're like the vinyl ones but oh look i'll show you that's i have some in my room yeah yeah those are pretty they're not that expensive yeah they're not super expensive but they're not the cheap apartment ones yeah it's like maybe a step above them yeah just because they're wider so we have to obviously replace them oh my god frito was standing on the windowsill because it's a huge it's a really big window in the office and he was standing on the windowsill underneath the blinds going crazy and barking like crazy and i was like what the hell is he barking at like we're not getting any packages delivered we live on a quiet street like there's no one walking there's no dogs or anything and then i actually see what he's barking at it started raining (laughs) he barks at the rain he was alerting you mom something's attacking (laughs) us from the sky like what is this mom Oh, maybe he wanted to go out there. Let me out. Let me out. I think it was like last week we had a huge thunderstorm. It was so cool. Like it was such a, it was a really nice thunderstorm, but there was definitely lightning that was like striking in our neighborhood and it was just coming down in sheets. It was pouring. The dog, they really had to go to the bathroom. So we opened the door and like let them out and they're just like looking and we're like, okay, okay. Like you guys got to go like go go you have no other option and they're just like standing looking outside looking at us like huh and so then lily really has to go and so she goes out there and as soon as the water touches her it's like that one video about the dog that goes into the snow he goes into the snow and then just immediately like and then comes back inside turns around (laughs) that was lily but then she's kept crying that she needed to go and we're like 
the doors open for you. You gotta go, you gotta go. Because there's only a, a small covered part in our backyard, but it's concrete where it's un- where it's covered. And it's not like it matters because it was so windy that it was wet regardless. And so they eventually, did, they did go out the rain and it was just really funny because it was, they were out there, they did their business and they ran right back inside. Aww, and we're like, sorry guys, it's, it's just water though. <laughs> They're probably like, why don't you come out here then? Gary would have. <laughs> Also, like I talked about Frito eating the damn shoe. I I get it. You know, we were gone for a whole week. We were gone for a little over a week. I get it. They were rowdy. We usually don't leave stuff on the floor for them to chew up. They're really good about not getting, like not chewing shoes. I'm assuming her shoes just smelled so good because she wore them for the whole week when we were in California. They just smelled like Doritos. (laughs) They smelled nice and cheesy, you know? Eat the damn shoe, but it's fine. It's fine. He's fine. He's fine. But this motherfucker, we don't leave food on the table usually overnight, but if we do, they don't eat it. They're really good about not eating it. But the other night we got wings. We didn't even leave it on the coffee table. We put it on our dining table and our dining table is pretty tall. You know, it's like you sit like at bar stools height. So it's like maybe a little taller than our kitchen counters. And these dogs have never gotten up on that table. And they got up on the table and he ate nine wings. Nine. Damn, he was feasting. Mango habanero wings. Oh my God. I know there was nine because I only ate one and Gary didn't have any because we were eating the other stuff. And we're like, ooh, this will be really good for breakfast tomorrow. And they were gone in the morning. I know he has spicy poops. Oh, he had the Hershey squirts. Oh, bet you wish it was stormy then. Oh my God. (laughs) Wash it away. (laughs) It's been raining. It's been raining like crazy. So it's fine. Later that night, I was on the floor. I was making a tie blanket for my niece. I just heard his stomach. I heard the rumbling, the grumbling. I heard the bubble guts and I was like, you poor baby. But like, I wasn't too worried about the spice. I was more worried about him eating fucking chicken bones yeah cooked chicken bones yeah so that's what i was very bad for dogs very bad for dogs okay apparently they have iron stomachs and i'm just like like my dogs and i'm just like oh motherfuckers but they're fine oh well they're fine they're fine take advantage of the one treat frito one treat that you get of eating food off the table he acts like he's starved and he eats good we feed him and he gets plenty of quin snacks And then there's my dog who doesn't eat and he was not eating for a very long time. And one day I was like, why isn't he eating? He never used to have a problem before. And I was like, there's only a couple of answers to that. Either one, these mofos up in here, which is my family. So no offense. (laughs) Just kidding. These people here have been feeding him human food because he's kind of picky. So they've been feeding him human food and now he don't want his regular food or he's just really absolutely tired of it. Or, which I was like, wow, I'm so smart, which maybe somebody else would have thought of it sooner, but it took me a while. I was like, my mom goes out every day, like at 11 to feed my brother's cats. Let me backtrack a little. It got to the point where he would usually eat once a day. He's a small dog, But it got to the point where, yeah, and it got to the point where I told everybody, I was like, look, this might sound mean, but at this point, I'm just going to let him get hungry. If he's not going to eat for a full day, then he's not going to eat because... Then the next morning when I feed him, oh, he's going to eat it. Like, he needs to eat, you know? I mean, it's the same thing with, like, people sometimes. It's like you're just... Yeah. Some dogs are like that. Some dogs are really good about self-regulating and, like, free feeding. Yeah. So I was like, let's try that. So we tried it. And then I started to think. I was like, okay... What does he see? Like, my mom goes out around 11 or 12 every day to feed my brother's cats. And his cats are fat. So I was like, the heat, my mom comes out every day around 11. And I have a feeling that he, because 
when I would walk him out, he always would go to their bowl and try to try to sink in a couple of bites. I was of their gonna food. say, does he, did he take the? And cat I would food? have to like yank him away or tell him no, and he would try to eat it. So I was like, I think what he sees is these cats getting fed. He wants what they're having. So I told my mom, I'm not gonna feed him in the morning. Feed him like when you feed the cats. So she was like, okay, sure enough, that was like the solution. So he thinks that he's getting their food too, or maybe he's like, I want to eat at the same time as them, and now. He has no problem eating his food. And I was like, I'm so smart. (laughs) Maybe someone else would have thought of it sooner, but I'm glad I figured it out eventually. Yeah, so. You know, my dogs, my dogs are fucking spoiled. It's, they eat twice a day and they get their like hip supplement, like their joint mobility supplement. It's another German Shepherd and part Australian cattle. And they're definitely very prone to like hip dysplasia. And we give them like salmon oil for their coat but we have so much leftover baby food and we never gave Quinn purees she never liked them so we have a bunch of leftover like jarred baby food and like pouches so we'll mix that in with their food or we'll put it on like lick mats and stuff and like freeze it so it'll be like butternut squash carrots like stuff that's like good for them so now the dogs get the purees and they love it so I'm telling you they eat good they eat very well and they're acting like they're starved yeah but how was your week though oh um my week was good i went to disneyland that last week so that was very fun um they didn't have the backpack that i had bought they canceled it because apparently they didn't have it so i ended up going with the other one which is very cute still it is very cute it's up somebody was like is that a what's that brand that always makes disney backpacks i literally just forgot i know which ones you're talking about but i don't know the brand name lounge fly yes was that lounge fly i was like does it look like it's no it's not. Are you trying to call me out? Because I ain't got a real lounge flat backpack. Like, I don't give two I shits. Like, I really don't. Do you see the logo? No, it's not. I didn't get around it. So I was just like, no, they didn't have the one I wanted. So I got this one, which is fine. I told her it doesn't have to be lounge fly. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So that was really fun. We got on plenty of rides. I think we got in, on like 10 rides. Holy smokes. Yeah, we got the Genie Plus uh, pass. So that was a lot of help. Within two hours, we had gone on like Haunted Mansion, Indiana Jones, and that railroad ride. What? genie plus oh so that's like their new fast pass oh i like it i thought it was kind of cool i forgot what it used to be called i don't remember what it used to be called well no it's because when gary and i had the when we had our passes we weren't sure if we wanted to do it do it or not and so we tried it one time and it was like i think 10 it used to be 10 dollars for the day and because we had our passes like years ago holy smokes i was just thinking been a while yeah we weren't even engaged when we had our passes but anyways, oh, Max Pass. I think it used to be called the Max Pass. And so then we just paid, I think, like 60 or $70 to add it to our, our annual passes. Because then you get your pictures too. Yeah. Doesn't that look like a person? It does. Like with boobs? Yes. I've been looking at that the whole time. That kind of scared me. I didn't realize. I'm looking at it the whole time. So I had a good time. I wanted to try a lot of different foods. I only really got to one because then I got full. Didn't try anything else. And I missed out on a lot. So Did you just go to Disney oh, well. or did you go to California Adventures too? We went to both. Nice. Uh, originally, I wanted to go two days, but I couldn't find like, I don't know. December booked up a lot quicker than Real I fast. thought. I like looked away for two days and then all the days were booked. So I was like, damn, okay. So we went one day. We got there at eight when they opened and we made it to like seven or 7.30. So I think we did a lot and I didn't feel like we missed out on anything. Like I had a really good time. Everybody was so friendly. Like, but now next time, since I've already been on the rides, 
it's kind of, it's out of my system for the most part. So next time I can focus on other things and you know. Yeah. Towards the end when we had our passes, we would go on like our favorite rides. You know, like Guardians, Mm -hmm. Space Mountain, Indiana Jones, Matterhorn, you know, just like our favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, it's like, oh, the line's short in this one for like Fantasyland or something like that. But we just walk around, eat, hang yeah. out. And then I think what really made it like an even better experience was one of my worries with amusement parks is with Jazz mostly. He's a big dude. Like he's tall and he's big. So we were worried about him fitting on the rides. So I looked it up beforehand and it said that they, you know, they're pretty plus friendly, plus size friendly. So I was like, okay. And literally from the moment we got on the first ride, all that any worry that we had like melted away he fit on every single ride that we got on because a lot of them have like yeah they have the bar and all that Mm -hmm. and so we were like this is awesome so that definitely made our experience so much better the only one that he was like damn it was the and this one was just like in passing it's not one that we had to get on but i was like hey we're leaving california adventure might as well stop by goofy's fly school oh yeah and that one's very tiny and so we got in and so they were like can you stand up and cross your legs so they did and they were like no and he was just like no way like really and i was like oh no we made it all day is this the ride where you don't fit and i was Obviously, I didn't feel embarrassed, but it's not happening to me. So it doesn't mean he doesn't feel embarrassed. Yeah. So she was like, no, no, no. She said, just switch. So we switched and bam, we fit just fine. So I was like, see, everything is fine. And I tried to make light of the situation because I know that having the attention on us for that reason was still embarrassing for him. So I just tried to make light of the situation. Like, it's fine. We just didn't know that seat was bigger. Now we know for next time. So, yeah. Yeah. On all the little kid rides, like in, um, I think, like Storybook Land or Fantasyland, whatever it's called in uh, Disney, where they always say, like, they always had signs posted, like, the adult needs to sit on the outside or the inside or something like that. Or, like, yeah. or the bigger person needs to sit here. I always had to sit in the bigger person spot because I- I'm bigger. Th- I'm bigger <laughs> than Gare. Not height yeah. wise, but like, OK, not yeah. width wise either because he has really broad shoulders. But just just my circumference is bigger. You're just shorter. So your your mass is more compressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm just yeah, I'm so. bigger than him. It was a really great time. And I told Jazz, I was just trying to make a lot of situation. I was like, look, Disney is family friendly. And what happens to a lot of people when they become parents? They gain weight. What are you going to do about it? So people have to fit on this ride, on these rides. And guess what? It's a win-win for us fat people who are just fat just because... And he was just, he thought that was funny. I was like, see, it's fine. I told him everything is good. So yeah, yeah it, it was a really great time. I, I had a lot of fun. I'm Honestly, I hope we can go back again. And I'm hoping we can get a pass next year. Okay, we got to get into this episode. Let's jump on in. This week we are doing people. Yes. Um, I wanted to do kind of a different take. I know the last time we did people, like we both picked, you know, like a murderer or Somebody that, some criminal of some type. I think both of them were murderers. Who did I pick? Oh, that's right. I did H.H. H. Holmes. Yes. And, and I then did... you did? <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, what was it? Bowtry or? Bowtry? Bowtry. Yeah. So um, I 
That episode, I decided to look up everybody's name to properly say it, except Elizabeth Bouchery. And apparently I said it wrong every single episode. And one of y'all listening is going to know. And I'm very embarrassed. So sorry. And it was so I'll funny. I'll do better next time. Because <laughs> I started re-listening to Lore. And I've listened to Lore since I think when it came out. A long time. Yeah. I remember you telling me in my Bath and Body Works days. Yeah, it was forever. I started listening to Lore when I was in college. So I started re-listening to it. And I was like, wait a minute, this seems familiar. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is what. Oh, Jasmine said her name wrong. Oh, well, shit, we already fucked up. And he even (laughs) said it like it's not Elizabeth Bathory. Or like as much as you would think that it's Bathory, something along those lines. He's like, it's not. He's like, I've done plenty of research to make sure. And I'm just like, well, shit. And I was like, damn, thanks for calling (laughs) me out past you just called future me out (laughs) (laughs) this week i wanted to do kind of a little spin it's still a specific person and it's not even a spin this is more on topic to what our podcast is anyways i'm I'm saying too much um (laughs) this week we're gonna talk about juan ramon science which was, was a host of a radio station let me pull up my notes first sorry There is a very popular radio show in Mexico that has been running for over two decades called La Mano Peluda, which translates to the hairy hand. So this show is, or this radio show is pretty much about, you know, paranormal things. People call in and they tell their personal experiences, what they've heard and so on. Between 1995 and 2010, it was hosted by Juan Ramon Sanz. And currently it's being hosted by Ruben Garcia Castillo. But this is more going to be about Juan Ramon. Juan Ramon. I feel we're saying it in English. We'll say it in Spanish. Juan Ramon. Juan Raymond. <laughs> Just say it in Spanish. So one day in 2002, Juan Ramon received a phone call. And on the other line was Josue Velasquez. And I'm pretty sure it's Velasquez because... I was like, wait, that's your last name. Exactly. My last name. So I was like, mm, is that my cousin? <laughs> but um, Josue Velasquez was from... I believe he still currently lives in El Monte out here in California. So not too far from here. So he called in, basically tells Jose Ramon, I may, I sold my soul to the devil. So instantly, Jose is very interested. He wants to know all about this and what he did. How did it happen? What gave him the idea to sell his soul to the devil? For those of you that speak Spanish, you can hear the whole episode on, you. like you can go on YouTube and look it up. And then I'm sure there's like people who have covered this story in English if anybody wants to take the time to look it up as well. I'll look and see and maybe we can link it. So he proceeds to tell his story. Throughout Josue's childhood, his family was very poor. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot going for them. Josue, that was always something that obviously stuck to him. When he was 14, he came across a book. This book was a pretty dark book. It gave instructions on what you can do to summon the devil or to summon oh, hell demons. no Mm-mm. through this you know it's very well known that typically when somebody's interested in that or when you hear stories it's always the person that's interested in riches power fame or all of the above and that was pretty much the case here so he started reading the book he became very interested and he figured hey if i summon a demon then maybe i'll be able to 
make money and get rich and help my family out like that was his main motive you know he's 14 15 years old and he's tired of not having the things that he wants and his parents not having what 14 they need. and he's just a um, baby I'm just a baby <laughs> he starts you know looking through the book and he prays he prays about it he prays and he prays for about a year and a half throughout this year and a half he's doing different rituals and doing step by step to try to summon this and get some kind of response and he even went as like as far as cutting his veins as part of one of the rituals just to try to summon this demon so eventually you know after a year and a half of all of this one day he just gets tired and he says out loud give me a sign if you're here i just want to know that someone is here someone is listening and he was sitting down and he said that he didn't hear anything out of nowhere a voice from his side spoke to him and when he looked over he said it was a tall thin black man that just appeared next to him so he asks oh how funny a tall black man just appeared behind you <laughs> seriously <laughs> I couldn't resist. That was just perfect timing. That is, yeah, it really was. <laughs> so he asks the man, "Who are you?" And the man says calmly, "I thought you were looking for me." So he starts talking to him, pretty much saying what it is that he wants. You know, I, I want money. I want power. I want to help. I, I need this because I grew up in poverty. So the man tells him that he needs to do some things to get what he wants. I mean, that's what you do. So he did tell him that he needed to round up six people to make a ritual and he starts the process of trying to do all of I that. I thought you were going to say he has to round up six people and then they have to round up six people and then <laughs> end up with like an MLM. I know. And then he goes, yes, I am the owner of Herbalife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so eventually he gets tired of it and he complains to the man, you know, hey, I'm doing everything you want. I'm not getting what I want. Like what gives? And he leaves. He goes home and he finds a pig in his home over his mom and his mom is not moving and the pig is pretty much attacking her. And I don't know if you guys know, but pigs are like people think goats eat everything and that is absolutely not true. Pigs will eat everything. So, you know, the pig is doing his stuff and Josue yells at it like, what are you doing? And the pig looks up at him and starts talking. Oh, fuck no. And tells him, follow me. So the pig starts walking. Josue is following him and they get to a cave and Josue says that he witnessed this pig go from a pig to a man. He became a man mm -mm. and shapeshifted. Mm -mm -mm. Trigger warning, this involves infanticide. From what I saw and what I remember hearing, this man told, or the demon told him that he needed to kill a newborn. Uh-uh. Mm -mm. No, ma'am. Mm -mm. Josue is like, okay what one of his neighbors had just had a baby what? just okay what the fuck he starts going into the process of trying to obtain this newborn baby so he can get the job done however in the middle of it he ends up changing his mind he cannot kill a newborn baby and instead he goes back on it and asks if he can kill anybody else or if there's anything an alternative to this why does he have to kill it all? I mean, I know it's it's part of the story. Like, it's... it's yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I know. He was very willing. So, in the end, um, I'm not sure if this is... If the demon told him he had to or if he chose to, he wanted to. Unalive. I wonder if we can say kill on... No, I'm pretty sure we can because it's we? not... It's so hard to say. I don't know. I'm just, like, so used to seeing Unalive now on, like... I know! TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm like, I feel like that's how I say it now. And I'm just like, wait a minute. No, you can you can say the word murder. And one day they're literally going to add that in the dictionary. <laughs> I mean, unalive is a real word. What the hell am I saying? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was unalive. Unalive is a slang term used on social media as a replacement for the verb kill or other death related terms, often in the context of suicide. See, it's so normal now that I don't even know. It's in the slang dictionary. It is a slang word. Ooh, the word first became popular in 2013 when it was used in an episode of Ultimate Spider-Man. And then Google searches for the term spiked dramatically in 2022. From TikTok, Unalive has spread to Twitter and Reddit. And YouTubers now use it so that their content isn't demonetized. Okay, we're going to be demonetized. Ah, I'm just kidding. We're not even monetized. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Josue starts thinking, who can I murder that will help me get what I want? So he picks his grandma. Oh my god! He figures, well, she's old. She's lived her life. What more can she do? However, the, the process would not was not as simple as just or a bullet or anything like that. He had to do many different things to her. Grandma had to endure hours of torture. Oh my god. Before he was finally able to off her so that she counted as a sacrifice to this demon. And he's just so willing. Yeah. So once that was completed, I'm not sure if there was other things that he did. It's kind of not that easy to find just because, I mean, these things are pretty brutal. But this demon ends up giving him a ring. So he says that this ring, this ring will always stay on. He could be running around waving his hand and the ring just does not fall off. And he told him, like, this ring will protect you. You can do all the bad that you want. You will never be caught. You will never be arrested. You will never have to pay the consequences of any of your actions. Wear this ring, you'll be good to go. By this point, Juan Ramon, the host, is like, whoa, like, what is, what? He's very intrigued. There was actually, like, millions of listeners, and they were all also very intrigued. Josue, you can tell as he's talking, he's very stressed. His voice goes up and down in pitch. It really sounds like some form of hysteria, like, in his voice. Like, he's just, he's losing He lost it. it. In the middle of all of this, he tells Juan Ramon, hey, like, if you hear noises in the background, just ignore them. Just just ignore the noises. I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me, but just I can't explain to you what those noises are. And yeah, throughout this whole episode, you hear like it sounds like voices in the background, like clattering, like if he's around people, but he's home alone. Oh my god, no, 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 no. Off he went. He was 16. He made a pact with the demon, got everything that he wanted. He got a ring that would protect him from consequences. And he, in exchange for all, you know, for his soul, he got money and he got economic power, everything that he wanted. He actually ended up uh, completing or being able to get a career that took about eight, six to eight years to complete. He was able to do it in months. I wonder why. A lot of money. I know. He was able to make a lot of money. Everything that he wanted. And he could make as much as he wanted. If in one day he was feeling like "Mm, 5,000. He would make 5000 If he was feeling like 10000 he could make 10000 That'd be nice. So, yeah. So Juan Ramon asks him, so what do you do with the money? Like, how's life been since all of this? And of course, Josue is like, life has not been all that it's cracked up to be. I wonder why. So 
So he explains that, yes, he can make all the money that he wants. However, he never gets to see that money the next day. If he makes $5,000 in a day, he has to spend it all that very day because the next day he will have nothing. He never gets to keep the money. He can't give the money away. He can't save it. He can't anything. So Juan Ramon asks him, what the hell do you do with all that money? He says, well, I go and I have to spend it. Uh, maybe I'll buy a nice watch and I'll get myself a Rolex. I don't ever get to save this. It's been torture. He's like, I wanted this so I can help my family. I wanted this so I can travel the world, so I can go and travel and stay there as long as I wanted without having to worry. I wanted to buy everything that I needed and wanted, and I'm not able to do that because I can't keep any of my money. Juan Ramon asks him, what do you do when you have extra that you can't spend? Like, aren't you able to give it away, help people out? So Josue says, I know that there's people with debts. I have family members with debts and I can't even help them. If I choose to help somebody and I give them some of my money, I get punished for it. The first and only time that I did it, a woman appeared in my home and she attacked me. And she hasn't left since. Nobody can see her. She's some form of entity. He describes her as having long black hair. She wears a dress and she has no legs. Ever since he helped this person pay off their debts she has been by his side and she abuses him if he continues to give people money she tortures him you know during this phone call Juan Ramon asks is she there with you and he says yes she's actually right behind me I could feel her at my ear no 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 and throughout this whole whole phone call he'll you know give updates like oh now she's sitting in front of me on the table now she's sitting next Mm -hmm. to me now Mm -hmm. she's outside Yeah, and he just sounds so scared when he talks about her. Like, there's like this yelp in his voice. Kind of sounds like he's in pain. So eventually, Juan Ramon asks, like, what's going on? And he's like, I'm I'm scared. And he tells him why. So he says that he had been told that if this woman ever appeared holding a symbol that looked like an inverted cross with an eye, it meant that he was gonna die. So Juan asks, is she, does she have that? And Josue says, yes. She currently has it in her hand. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, it's crazy that like that that, that's what you're talking about right now because Gary was working in a creepy ass well yesterday and the water was so fucking murky and and, like dirty and he pulled a cross out of the fucking well and he's like, nope, nope. And I'm just like, ah, no. Yeah. So Juan Ramon is describing that as he's hearing this story, it just sounds like a regular old scary story. But as Josue is getting deeper and deeper into his story, the room starts to feel uneasy. It starts to feel cold. There's a change in the environment that made him realize this is real. There is no way this is not real. And it's a phone call, right? He like called in? Yeah. Oh, geez. Like that much energy and power being transmitted through. Oh, no. It's like fear. They're putting themselves out there and exposing themselves to all this. It, it shifted everything, you know, in the air. So I know that they had, I think, I believe they had a couple different phone calls. So I'm not sure if all, I heard one long tape and I, I don't know if all this happened in the same phone call or later on. But Juan Ramon brings a priest onto the show and he gets him on a phone call so he could speak to Josue. So the priest is just asking him, you know, normal things like, you know, what's going on? And he knows everything that happened and he's telling him, like, have you tried? What have you done to help yourself from this? And he's like, well, I've tried praying and I've tried, you know, getting close to the church, but I can't like nothing is helping. So the priest is like, "Okay, well, let me try to help you. We're going to pray. okay? you have a Bible, right? He says, yes. So he tells him, I need you to grab a Bible. 
Ron is like, okay. And he says, I can't pick it up. And he tells him why. And he's like, it's very heavy. So he tells him, that's fine. Just grab it. Like he manages to pick it up and he tells him, open it. Open the Bible to Psalm, whichever. I don't remember what Psalm it was. And he tells him, I can't open it. It's not letting me open. It's like, shut. It's not allowing me to. And while he's trying to open it, the Bible just falls on the floor. He's like, the Bible fell. And the priest is like, no worries. Just exactly where it is open it and flip through the pages he's saying that pretty much the page that they were reading has started to curl up it's giving him a hard time to try to read this and the priest is instructing him like repeat after me Josue starts to freak out he's like no 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 I can't say it he's like what do you mean like this is gonna help you I can't read anything off the bible so the priest asks why and Josue says because these are verses that I used to summon the demon and I cannot use them to get rid of him oh no 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 so that was pretty much where that phone call ended the priest did everything that he could i mean Josue knew that he was pretty much screwed and that was the end of that there's not going to be an ending to this because it's happening you know it was happening in real time this was 2002 fast forward to about nine years later around 2009 juan ramon decides he wants to meet with Josue and a team from tv azteca at this point, they had decided that, you know, La Mano Peluda, the radio show, was so successful that they wanted to make it a TV show. They wanted to bring people in and interview them and talk to them and see these experiences and so on. So Juan Ramon decides he wants to meet with Josue and they want to document how he's doing, how has life been over the last nine years, has anything changed, was he able to free his soul from, you know, this demon and pay his debts and all of that. Um, so when he meets him, Juan Ramon confesses to Josue that weird things were happening to him for weeks after this phone call that with Josue and he tells him that his bed would shake and he would feel like a wind behind his ear. During the phone call, he said he had like a pain in his stomach and Josue said that they, like the entities that are around him, didn't like that Juan Ramon was trying to help Josue. So that's why those things were probably happening to him. Unfortunately, Juan Ramon passed away soon after that second meet. A lot of people believe it's because of their initial meet, like when they first saw each other face to face. When Josue came up to them, he was still wearing the ring that he described that this demon had given him. He would wear it on his right hand. For this meetup, it was going to be, of course, the TV crew, Juan Ramon, the host, Josue, the man who sold his soul, plus a priest, just, you know, to make everyone just feel at case. ease, to help out and pray and all that. So Josue comes up to, to the main people, like the main directors, and, you know, they're all kind of in a like semi-circle, like saying greeting, greeting each other. Josue shakes the priest's hand with his left hand, shakes the director's hand with his left hand, however many people with his left hand and when he gets to Juan Ramon the host he shakes him with his right hand the hand that he wore his ring on Mm-mm, no 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 and no. they didn't really notice at first but this was brought up later that they did think that was a little bit strange soon after this meet like I said Juan Ramon passed away due to a stomach bacteria and other people on the set experienced some pretty dangerous things for example the cameraman was hospitalized due to a gallbladder thing and one of the other crew members died in a car accident a little after that the priest died of heart issues and that's when a lot of people started to think I think Juan Ramon died because of Josue because he shook his hand with his ring on oh my god yep 
So a lot of people were trying to debunk this. They were like, this can't be true. It's like the type of thing. You got to see it to believe it. But also, you don't have to see everything to believe it. You know, you got to be careful what you wish for. So a lot of people were trying to debunk it, saying that Josue wasn't careful what he wished for. Yeah, seriously. So they're saying that it was just really strange. He was probably a good actor. And the thing that everybody really focused on was that nine years earlier he was talking about the woman holding the symbol the inverted cross with the eye how that meant that he was gonna die but he never died they said how come all these years and he didn't die one of the theories is Josue traded Juan Ramon's life for his own or he just got even more evil and sinister just doing more bidding oh no 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 like they think that he saved that just for him. Yeah. And at this point, it's like, is he evil? Is he possessed? Did something take over that made him do that? I mean, to sell your soul, that that's a, I mean, I don't, for those of you who might not believe, but I truly do believe that's an unforgivable sin. Well, it's your soul. Um, that's your soul. Yeah. So that's one of the theories that he traded his life for, or Juan Ramon's life. For his own and that's why he died. And that is why he only shook his hand with his ring hand and nobody else in the room. Because he transferred like that energy, that power, that, oh my God, that fate to him. Mm -hmm. One thing and it's, I was actually asking my parents about this because this was all going on when, you know, I was younger. And also my parents were never okay with me listening to like paranormal shit. (laughs) One time they caught me caught i say it like it's a big deal i was doing it because i was interested i've always been interested and they saw that and they really like scolded me like i don't want you to ever look at that that's bad bad energy and blah blah blah. so all right i get it you know i was just curious so i asked them like did you guys hear about this radio show and they were like oh yeah we remember that show and they were like we actually have heard many people say that while they have listened to the show bad things have happened to them oh my god it's like um two girls one ghost where it's like all the listeners experience like Mm-hmm. paranormal stuff i mean there was this one episode that i was listening to of them and they were talking about technical difficulties and the episode just restarted playing on my phone and i was like what the fuck what the, yep. fuck? the story on this article is actually one that they told me about my parents were telling me about you know a story and i believe it's this one that i, I read off of this article so there was a man in yucatan that was working his shift he had like a 4 p.m to 4 a.m shift and as he's driving he's listening to la mano peluda so he has to pick up a woman and her mother and he picks them up and they're holding this uh blanket and there's something in the blanket so as he's driving this thing in the blanket starts to twist and turn and it yelled with the most terrifying voice Mm-mm. and scared no, 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 this no, 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 taxi no. driver he lost control of his car of the taxi and he tried as best as he could to control the car apparently the thing in the blanket was a five-year-old girl five-year-olds aren't small i mean they are small but they're not like small. i guess small. they had her covered in a way that he didn't know what it was the older woman the mom she requests that he takes them to the church he suggests we need to take this girl to the hospital when she twisted and screamed again the taxi violently shook and that's when they told him that they believed that she was possessed Mm-mm. yeah so he was like what a coincidence that i'm listening to this and this freaking happened like what now that i remember my parents told me a slightly different one of somebody listening to it and they actually crashed and died so they were like we don't listen to that show and they never would have allowed for me to listen to it. Okay, maybe I should stop listening to like scary podcasts when I'm driving. 
Seriously. Another uh, listener called in and said that he heard the story from 2002 on the radio and he remembers hearing voices for weeks after that episode finished. He was, oh my God. You know what? He probably wasn't even scared. He was probably just spreading evil and bad energy. Yeah, that that could be it. Like he could have called and made himself a, a victim so people could put their walls down like you're feeling sympathy towards this man you're, you're feeling you pity. You're, yeah you're being vulnerable towards him and here he comes you know in and starts doing these things i mean people people were saying that things were flying off their desk other people were saying that their radio was changing stations on its own just like weird things so this was a very impactful episode on the radio this man still is alive Josue Velasquez Uh, like I said I think he still does live out in California however I did see recent interviews people have interviewed him since and he says he has been freed his soul is no longer you know with the demon he was able to get it back with the help of the church and praying and god knows what else and the weird part I you know I don't want to be like I don't want to judge a book by its cover But I feel like when you see people look a certain way, you can kind of like, he had a look that I was like, I never see people do that. He was sitting uh, with with a YouTuber and he had a sweater draped over his shoulders. Like, you know, like how you see in movies, like the rich, fancy jerk tennis dude has like the sweater and it's tied in the front. Yes. He had his sweater like that. And I was like, you kind of look like a douchebag dressed like that. Little bit. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, huh. Well, uh, uh, okay. We are, you're, we are not judging a book by cover. This is the dude's story. We, we're judging him based on his story and the appearance just matches the whole geez. The comments. And a lot of people were like, why is his laugh so weird? And a lot of people were like, like, I don't get good vibes off of him. And I was listening to this, you know, interview and I was like, his laugh is a little bit strange. Doesn't sound like it belongs to him. It sounds forced. Probably doesn't belong to him. Yeah. So that's why I was like, well, he says it's true. Then maybe it's true. Like, please, nothing bad happened to me for saying what I said. But that was that. We do not claim this energy. We no do not claim this negative energy. energy. And that is the story of Josue Velasquez. Please be very careful what you do. The steps and measures that you need to take to make what he did happen, it's not going to be easy. If I'm not going to say anything more. I'm not trying to condone anything. It's it's very it's a very uncomfortable subject because it's like, why would somebody do that? But then you're like, well, when you're that desperate, it's a very sensitive topic. It would make a lot of people uncomfortable very fast. I get the life of poverty. I think I just sent you a TikTok about it. Or I think it was like Dave Chappelle talking with his dad. And he's like, man, I hate being poor. And his dad is like, we are not poor. That is a state of mind. Yeah. State of mind. We are broke. broke. Yep. And I just started laughing because like I literally, it was over Thanksgiving that <laughs> I literally like Gary and I had that exact same conversation with my dad, but you know, not as funny. Yeah. And I was like, Gary, that is us. We are broke as broke as a joke. Seriously, we are broke as a joke, especially like in this economy. I just, because I still have the article that I was, you know, reading up and I just saw at the very end before it like puts its sources. It says recently in 2021, Josue's cousin revealed on TikTok that the phone call, I don't know, it says that the phone call was 
But that Josue is indeed an evil brujo. And I do remember hearing about that. A lot of people say that now he is a brujo, which is a witch. I think I saw something on Reddit. Oh, like I was looking it up right now while you were telling your story that he like sacrificed a goat on live television and practicing like black magic and stuff on like a live special. Yep. I don't know if it was like a live television show or if it was like streaming or anything like that. Are you looking something up? Yeah, I'm trying to find TikTok. Of what what I what I said? Uh-huh. So this is my cousin Josue Velasco. <gasps> and I'm here to tell you the story about La Mano Peluda. Oh, my whole thing's been debunked. Oh. I'm mad. After me and my <laughs> that little last part of that article, I found the cousin's videos on TikTok. And he's explaining that pretty much the whole story on the radio is not true. It's fake. He said his grandma's not dead. He showed a picture. He's like, she's very much alive. Which I guess a really easy uh, argument to that is, what if he had two grandmas? What about the other one? Who knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the cousin doesn't say anything about it. So, you can only just say that as a small argument. And he's saying that Josue approached him and his brothers and was like, can you guys help me with sound effects? And they declined. And later he revealed to them that he wanted to go on this radio show and tell them the story to try to get everyone to believe them. The bottom line of it it all is the story he told on the radio is said to be untrue. There's been people who have debunked it. I'll look into it. I can give you guys an update next episode. However, he does practice Satanism and he is a brujo. He's a witch. So all of that and I'm sure what Ale said about sacrificing a goat on life is probably true because he does do things like that. And there's nothing wrong with being a witch or practicing witchcraft or anything like that. But he's practicing dark magic. And I think he has some bad intentions. Yeah. See, it's the sweater. I told you, douchebag. (laughs) Regardless, it's a good story. It definitely made me, you know, have my hair standing up. This man is obviously not a good man. So I hope I don't ever come across him. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Moving on. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Or not. That OG sounds like she doesn't care. Fine. Huh? I'm just kidding. I'm just being dramatic. What are you talking about? Nothing. I'm so confused. It's because you said OGs, but I'm just being dramatic. I said OGs? Yeah, you did. But I know you said it because of everything. Oh! Pregnancy brain? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely pregnancy brain. This today, I made myself a a second cup of coffee. And I had to look over like three times to make sure that I actually put my cup underneath like the Keurig. <laughs> Last time my coworker put a little cake cup in the Keurig and I guess it had like a hole already and then the you know the needle poked a hole in it so when it started to put water in it like splashed it out through the <gasps> seal that was broken and got coffee all over him. Oh no. Yeah I was like oh god. And then he didn't know how to clean it so the HR lady was like I'll clean it. I was like oh my god. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was just funny to me. <laughs> He was like, I don't, I, but you know what? To be fair, sometimes. When you're frazzled and you're in the office and you're embarrassed and it's just like. Well, I mean, like, I know it's happened to me where like one time I was, I think I was baking something and I put an egg down. It fell out of my hand and on the floor. And I was like, like if I've never broken an egg on the floor before, I didn't know how to clean it. Like what? No, I've done stuff like that where I'm just like. And then Gary's like, it, it, it's okay. It's, it's step aside. And I'm like, huh? it happens to all of us. Yeah. All right. So my story is 
not scary like yours <laughs> like at all like your story gave me chills <laughs> and i don't care that it's been debunked it's still scary hell yeah so when i was you know i'm doing i'm sticking to like a holiday theme I had like pre-looked up everything that I wanted to do. And so originally I was going to do this one, but I got caught up in the busyness of the holidays. My kid was sick and I was sick. So life happens. So I wanted to do something that was easier in the sense that there was more information readily available. So I was going to do Bell's Nichols. You know, it's another fun Christmas folklore tale. Then I did the mini-sode where I also did more folklore. Which... I listened to the minisode. It was a good one. Oh, thank you. Yesterday, I revealed to her that I clearly hadn't heard her minisode yet. It happened in the first 10 minutes that I was recording and she was not. Because she's like, is that all your dogs did? Didn't they eat something else? And I'm like, uh, she's like, didn't you have to take him to the vet? And I was like, bitch. <laughs> I, I talked about that on the minisode. Like, not take away your thunder. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I love? I don't mean to call you out, but I love that it was like 15 minutes. And out of those 15 minutes, seven minutes was just you talking. And then the rest of it was the actual story. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. All right. So then, oh yeah. So then I was working on my niece's Christmas gift and I was just making her like a tie blanket. So I was on the floor and Garen and I wanted something easy to watch. And we started watching 28 Days Haunted on Netflix and because, you know, I had heard people talking about it and it's on like my recommended stuff because I always watch like paranormal and spooky stuff. Same. Have you watched 28 Days Haunted? No. If you want me to be honest, I you can watch it if you want. It's a really easy watch. It's a little too uh, over the top, a little gimmicky for me. Oh. Like, I feel like it can go one of two ways. You're either really going to like it and be scared or you've seen so much, like so many horror and supernatural and paranormal things. They're just kind of like, eh. It's just another like docu-series on Netflix kind of a thing. Okay, I'll have to check it out. But yeah, we started watching it and immediately something seemed like really familiar and I quickly found out that the person that I originally wanted to do my research on was... You know, like one of the people like on the show, not like on the show, but because, you know, this happened a while ago and he's dead. Rather his story. So I took that as a sign to switch gears again and stick with my initial research. So this week I'll be covering Charles or Charlie Lawson, who was responsible for familiacide on Christmas Day in 1929. So that's where the whole Christmas aspect comes in. Oh. Because it happened on Christmas. Okay. And as a trigger warning, my story this week obviously deals with murder, but I will also be talking about sexual assault, incest, and suicide. So feel free to skip the rest of the episode if you're not comfortable with any of those things. All right. So as a quick overview, the murders took place in Germantown, North Carolina on December 25th. 1929. Like I stated, the Lawson patriarch, Carly, was responsible for the murder of his wife and six out of their seven children. Wow. Charlie had been married to his wife, Fanny, since 1911, and together they had eight children. But unfortunately, one did pass away in 1920 due to an illness. So at the time of the murders, there was only seven living children. Around the same time as William's death, 
So that was the six-year-old that passed away in 1920. The Lawsons moved to the Germantown area because Charlie's brother had moved there. And some years later in 1927, they were able to save up enough money and they bought their own farm. Things seem to be going pretty good, right? Like, mm-hmm. dang, like they didn't come from money. In those days, that's good to be able to buy a farm. Yeah, his parents were sharecroppers. So, you know, they came from families of farmers. They didn't have a lot and they had a lot of kids. And in a few years, they were able to buy their own house and land to have their own like tobacco farm. Hell yeah, that was pretty like, that was like impressive, you know? Fast forward to 1929 to see if we can figure out where things went wrong. Were the murders premeditated? an act of passion and then going into a frenzy and killing the rest of the family or could there have been something more sinister and paranormal at play a few days before the murder charlie took his family on a shopping spree and got a family portrait taken which was not only out of character for the family but was just odd given their circumstances and social position they were a rural farming family and things like shopping sprees weren't common Also, I want to mention this was a few months after the stock market crashed. So it was the beginning of the Great Depression. So then it makes you wonder. Yeah, a lot of people weren't in the position to be spending money like that. That has led to speculation that the murders were premeditated, that he wanted to do this like last thing for them. Yeah. At this point, please fast forward because I will be discussing the murders and how they were committed. And I won't be getting too graphic, but it is a heavy topic and fairly gruesome. So on that fateful Christmas afternoon, Charlie snapped. I can't imagine what his family was thinking. They had probably enjoyed a nice Christmas breakfast and were just hanging out and looking forward to Christmas dinner when their worst nightmares came to fruition. Charlie began his frenzy by shooting his daughters, Carrie, who was 12, and Maybelle, who was 7, as they were on their way to their aunt and uncle's house. He waited by the tobacco barn until they were in close enough range and shot them with a shotgun. But that wasn't enough for him. (gasps) What? He wanted to make sure they were really dead, so he bludgeoned their bodies and then placed them in the barn. His 12 and 7-year-old. Oh, yeah double tap for good measure like oh, it's a with a shotgun like hmm i don't think you're dead you blow holes through people with those mm, but i don't think it was enough like oh my god yeah, clearly he then went back to the house fanny his wife was sitting on the porch and he shot her as soon as the shots were fired marie who was 17 screamed from inside the house while james and raymond who were four and two looked for somewhere to hide no and i'm sure at this point they don't know it's their dad they just hear shots and think they're freaking out families somebody is an intruder is here and so my only guess is that marie is like screaming and trying to get the young boys like her brothers to hide as soon as charlie went into the house as soon as he found marie he shot her and the two boys were also shot so at this point it's five children yes five kids and his wife that only leaves mary lou who was only four months old and he bludgeoned her to death he didn't shoot the four month old the autopsy or the the death certificate states that it was like blunt force trauma and like a cracked skull that led to her death as a parent, I can't imagine committing something so horrific. Like, I would do anything for my kid. I could never imagine hurting my kid. Would the bludgeoning, I guess, insinuate or show 
more like anger towards that four month old? Would that suggest anger? Or is it just because he figured that's a baby i don't need to shoot it this'll do or did he run out of like ammo like ammunition yeah because that's a little bit more personal Mm -hmm. versus a weapon i'm just thinking back to all like the criminal minds that i've watched yeah oh yeah we could totally be part of the bau oh heck yeah profilers (laughs) you know thinking that the body's families were found when they were found they were found with their arms crossed and rocks under their heads or like rocks or pillows i think it was rocks for the two girls in the barn and then everyone in the house had pillows under their head so is it like to support them like he did is it showing remorse and he like crossed their arms laying them to rest i have no idea Oh my god you're not even done and i'm over here analyzing as you go i'm sorry no because i tried looking it up too please don't look at my search history it's really fucking creepy and tell your fbi agent it's not that deep <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like to my <laughs> fbi agent out there sorry it's for the podcast <laughs> i couldn't find anything on like remorse or what it means like staging them or maybe i just didn't look deep enough probably that one honestly you know after several hours after the family was shot he went into the woods and shot himself murder suicide mm-hmm. but the thing is there were footprints everywhere around him like they looked like it as if he, though he were pacing like it's speculated that he he didn't know if he was going to commit suicide or try to run away and like get away with it okay so i mentioned he did kill six out of the seven children and the only survivor was arthur and he was 16 and that was because charlie had sent him on an errand before committing the crimes <gasps> so he oh literally sent him away and he came home to this he came home massacre. And i think he came home with like the police it leads me to think that it was premeditated because it like you're sending one of your kids away your oldest son. You're sending him away, but you're killing the rest of the family. So then it got me thinking about like 1922, the movie. Because, you know, he kills his wife. Yeah. But, oh, spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. He kills his wife and he's kind of in it with his son. But, like, his son doesn't really want to. But he kind of, like, coerces him into it. So it makes me wonder, like, I wonder what was going through Charlie's head. Regardless of what was going through his head, like, we can all agree that these crimes are absolutely heinous. And there's no justification for his actions. But, you know, there has been speculation. Because at the end of the day, we can only speculate. And a few months before, Charlie had sustained a head injury and some friends and family had attributed the massacre to his altered mental state. But after his autopsy and an analysis of his brain, there were no abnormalities. But keep in mind, this was 1929. This was nearly 100 years ago. And so it makes me wonder if any new abnormalities would be found if it had happened during the present or a time with more resources or with like more medical advancements i mean or there besides that they could have just been dead ass wrong yeah you're talking about i mean back in those days they had some pretty crazy ways of trying to fix people with mental issues Mm -hmm. despite the autopsy not finding anything it was still taken as fact that charlie was crazy he was insane because that's the only reason someone especially charlie who was seen as such a devout father could have committed such heinous crimes and this was the theory that was actually accepted for about 60 years in a newspaper article along with a book it is stated that a few weeks prior to the murders charlie was complaining of headaches, insomnia, and was exhibiting erratic behavior. So even if the autopsy didn't show any abnormalities, his behavior is consistent with some sort of like traumatic head injury. 
Yeah, sounds like it. So another speculation was that he carried out the murders because his oldest, Marie, again, remember she was 17, was pregnant. And who was the father of the baby? Oh, no. Charlie. (gasps) Charlie Lawson was suspected of having an incestuous relationship with his daughter, daughter, which led to the murder after he impregnated her. So it was like... We take them all out because I can't get rid of just her without everybody mm-hmm. else asking questions. Yep. Oh, what a pig. The stress could have been what gave him headaches and stuff. Yeah, the stress of getting your 17-year-old daughter pregnant when you're a 40-something-year-old man. Like, ew. Her dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He was that kid's dad and grandpa. He had a four-month-old already. Like- mm-hmm. But like I said... The theory about him being insane stood for about 60 years because this theory didn't come to light until 1990 when the claim of sexual assault was made in the book White Christmas, Bloody Christmas. And this claim surfaced because Stella Lawson, who was Charlie's niece, she had already been interviewed for the book, but she called the author and told her about the rumor she had heard. So Stella was born in 1915, so that would put her at 14 during the murders. So yeah, she would remember a lot still. Yeah. Stella claimed that she heard Fanny's sister-in-laws and aunts, including her own mother, Jetty Lawson, talking about how she was worried about the relationship between Charlie and Marie. And so she heard Fanny and her mom talking about it. Jetty passed away in May of 1928. So Fanny, Charlie's wife, had been suspicious of the incest for over a year and a half. And it's just, ooh, she wasn't even pregnant yet with Mary Lou. Yeah. So later in 2006, another source, Ella May, who had been friends with Marie, confirmed that Marie was pregnant and had confided in her a few weeks before Christmas. And that yes, both her parents, Fanny and Charlie, were aware of the pregnancy. And another friend and neighbor stated that he knew of some serious problems going on within the family, but declined to elaborate because it was of a personal matter. Oh. So why did he ultimately do it no one knows ma'am i had like a theory in my head and it was like way off to that mine was a little bit more like not evil (laughs) i was like no he is evil i was like what if he started thinking and had like a midlife crisis about what kind of world are my children gonna live in and you know the world is changing and yeah Mm -hmm. like i don't want them to live in that kind of world like yes we have a farm but what if it doesn't succeed when i'm gone and My children are going to be left with nothing. I'm just going to off them and we'll be good to go. Because, I mean, you do hear stories of people who did that or people who, you know, completed suicide so that their families could get their life insurance money and like, especially during the Great Depression. So you, it's not unheard of, but no, he was Mm -hmm. evil. Oh my God. And I mentioned that, you know, they talked about him. This story was on 28 Days Haunted. Both of these scenarios are talked about. It's portrayed as he was insane and he impregnated his daughter. Obviously, it's a paranormal show. And the claim is that... I'm going to give some spoilers on the show. So the whole premise is, because you haven't watched it, is there's a theory by Ed and Lorraine Warren that to really understand a haunting, it takes 28 days to really pierce that veil. In the show, 
researchers were not even yeah I guess researchers are taken on location but they don't know anything about the history they don't know where they're going you know they're blindfolded and they're kept you know in the dark about things they're staying for 28 days in this supposedly haunted location to see if Ed and Lorraine Warren's theory about the 28 days holds true with this story with the lost and family murders it takes place in, oh, I forgot the name of the, the store. They stayed at the store where the family members were embalmed and held for their viewing. There are two people who are staying there, a medium and a demonologist. You know, supposedly they don't know anything about what's going on. So that they can be as unbiased um, and true as mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. The medium like picks up immediately like there's, you know, negative energy here. This has something to do with like this family. Like I'm seeing a woman and children. You know, like they're disfigured and they're dismembered, you know, which they were shot with a shotgun and then bludgeoned to death. You know, she finds that picture, the picture that I had mentioned about the family. She's like, oh, like, I think this is the family. And then like in a different episode, she's like, the oldest daughter is pregnant. There's a baby. There's a baby involved. The father is not happy. The parents aren't happy about it. The father is especially not happy. Something like terrible happened because of this pregnancy. I couldn't find like the official like autopsy report on Marie or anything like that to show if she were pregnant or not at the time of death. But I mean, at that time, it might have not been published, especially if there were still family members alive and to protect like the family name. Oh, like she was a teenager and got pregnant regardless of who the father was. She was an unwed mother. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if something like that were omitted from the records. Yeah. And I read an article saying like, oh, the author didn't think that Marie could be pregnant because it wasn't present in any autopsy or death certificate that they could find and I'm like well Arthur was still alive there were still family members you know you don't want to ruin a reputation or something like that because that would ruin a reputation back in the day yeah big time so basically the the medium on the show is confirming everything Marie was impregnated by her father She goes on to say that things were not as they seemed. Everyone loved Charlie. They had to pretend like things were so perfect, but behind closed doors, they weren't. Of course. And the thing is, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, it's a TV show. I know they're making the claim that they're completely unbiased and they don't know anything. But you know, it's still a TV show, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But the medium did sense like a demonic presence. And with the show, it was speculated that Charlie had been possessed by a demon. That's what was leading to the erratic behavior. So a possession. So could it have been a head injury, a possession, or is that just a spin that they were taking on the show because it's a paranormal show? You know, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. And like I've said before, I am the first one to believe. At the end of the day, I also know science and TV shows and things. And yeah, you got to like think about the logical solutions first and then kind of take it from there. Yeah. The reason it made me start thinking like about this was one of the people on the location. So the demonologist was starting to get possessed and starting to exhibit the same behaviors as Charlie leading up to the murders. Okay, so kind of like um oh my god what is that house it reminded me of like amityville horror yes yeah amityville that's what that made Mm -hmm. me think of i was trying to think of the name of the dad but yeah oh it was the dad right the defeo family i was trying to think of it yep yeah the defeo family yeah that's kind of what that is which is an ed and lorraine warren 
haunting like yeah. or not a haunting but they did the they covered that case yes thank you <laughs> but it also makes me wonder because at the beginning of the show there's a disclaimer on the episode that the participants are going through extreme isolation they don't have their cell phones they don't have access to talk with like their loved ones their friends their family they don't have access to the internet and so they are literally just confined to the house and the people who are filming And I've covered it before in like the episode with like the prisons on what isolation will do to a person. Yeah. So it makes me wonder like how much of it can be attributed to the paranormal or how much like does it just make you more vulnerable to the paranormal? You know, and obviously it's a TV show and they edit it, you know, to for their spin, to fit their agenda, their, their narrative. You know, if you're exhibiting erratic behavior and you're isolated for 28 days in a scary ass place, like, yeah, it's going to be traumatic. So it just, it, I don't know how valid that is. If it is true, I really hope he's okay and that everything's okay with him, with the demonologist. Yeah. It's just like when you do, I guess, like experiments like that you want to try to be as normal as possible and everyday life requires phone and internet and wi-fi and all that and then you have none of it i'm pretty sure it's gonna have some kind of effect on our brain well especially now in the world we live in now it's exactly it's so fueled by technology Mm -hmm. and we are connected to the world at our fingertips a lot of Uh, stimulation to our brain and all of a sudden you don't have that and you just have to rely on one another and it's just go 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 stimulation like it is it's there yeah so to just have Mm -hmm. it completely cut off yeah yeah so i don't know we'll never know yeah that was my person for this week i know it's not too much information and there's absolutely no way to know why he did what he did we'll we'll never know sometimes That's what happens with these cases. We never know. But one thing is clear. Sometimes the worst monsters aren't supernatural or paranormal. Yeah. And it is absolutely horrific. And as a parent, I just, I can't fathom doing anything like that. The article that I was reading, you know, I disagreed with the author with on a few things, you know, because they were saying like, as a parent, they can't imagine having an incestuous relationship. So they didn't think that was very plausible. And that's why it wouldn't, she was most likely not pregnant because it didn't show up on any report. They attributed it to mental illness. And I'm over here thinking, they said that the incest, like they couldn't fathom it. So they were going that it was probably a head injury that led Charlie to commit these crimes. So they're like, oh, that couldn't be possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm over here thinking, I'm like, please, that's probably the most logical one for me. Not logical, but like the most like if you get your daughter pregnant, you like you are a horrible human being. Pedophilia is literally one of the like you hear a lot nowadays about generational curses Mm -hmm. and things that get passed down through family and how our parents raise us certain ways. Some of those things we manage to shake off and we become our own person. And other things we adapt to and we pick up into our adult life and we don't even realize until it's too late. And pedophilia is a part of that. Like the hiding it, the keeping it to yourself. So maybe these people, whoever wrote this article, have never heard of it. But that, that just, that article... It makes me laugh. As soon as I read that, I was like, nope. Are you living with Patrick Starr? Like, are you living under a rock? (laughs) My God. Only something so horrific would lead you to commit something else so horrific. Yeah. 
So so I know it was sure incest is not possible. Okay, my dude. Like, it is. <sighs> yeah, no, it's just. But I know it was a really. It's it was my story was a little on the shorter side, but it was really heavy. You know, I think it's a good balance of one of us has a short story and one has yeah. a long story, and that like that's a good balance. Yeah. Well, like uh, I think was it two weeks ago? La- I had a short one. No, last you had time. Dear David. Yeah. Oh, you felt like crap, yeah. so that's why I had a long one. Yeah, I like, couldn't okay. talk. Yeah. Never mind. I'm clearly making things up in my head. It's okay as long as you're not going crazy. Yeah. Right. No killing nope. here. All right. Anything else you would like to add? Oh, speaking of Christmas, I was reading some subreddit uh, two sentence horror Ooh. stories, and I came across one that was Christmas, and it's a little oh, it, it's sad, Ooh. but it was Christmas, so let's stick to the theme. Um, so it says a little girl decides that she wants to send a letter to Santa without telling her parents. Asking asking him to help solve any problems that are making her mom and dad fight so much. Her parents woke up on Christmas Day only to find that their daughter was nowhere to be found. And the only evidence that the police could find was the letter that she had written to Santa that someone left on her bed. <gasps> she was the reason they were fighting. Oh. And now there's a subreddit that's called Third Sentence third sentence something that sometimes people will add like a sentence that completely alters the story it's pretty entertaining and somebody put she misspelled santa as satan (gasps) (laughs) as soon as you said misspelled i knew exactly where you were going with it yep fuck i know right so dark oh geez this episode was dark on like all sides of the spectrum yeah if nothing else needs to be said i think we've said enough yes um, I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. If you would like to leave us any tips, comments, stories, or any subject you would like for us to talk about, um, feel free to send us a message on Instagram, Spooky State of Mind, or an email at SpookyStateOfMind at gmail.com. What else do I normally say? Jesus Christ. No, I think that's... We need Jesus Christ right now. <laughs> right? I gotta go pray. Seriously. Okay. Well, yes. Yeah, so, um... Un- Till next time, next week will be episode 11. Woo, double digits. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. Join us again next week. You will find out what we talk about. We hope to see you there. And until then, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye.